0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Comics Collective, the weekly podcast where we talk about our favorite comic books and graphic novels. I'm your host, Dallas, and today I am joined by some of my favorite creators working in comics right now. I am joined by the creative team behind Image Comics Sensation Kill Your Darlings. I have Ethan Parker Griffin Sheridan and Bob Quinn with me today. How's it going, everybody?
1: Hello. Good. Hey Thanks Dallas, for us. It's going Thank great.
0: Thank you for asking.
1: Yes, Did you hear yes. how smooth you that, was? That, that was? That was good. The cuff. Mm-hmm. See, that's what weather talk does. It loosens everybody up. It gets everyone in the zone, <laughs> Ethan, in case you were wondering.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so if you were not around for my last chat with Ethan and Griffin ahead of the first arc of Kill Your Darlings, I had the privilege of listening to that again today to make sure I didn't re-ask any of the same questions, and it's a lot of fun. These guys are a lot of fun. And today we are joined by the true star of Kill Your Darlings, Quinn. Yeah. Whoa! And so I just want to listen. make it known that
2: I did not say it. I did not prompt it. <laughs> that's but actually. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. Dallas knows this stuff. This is yeah. Smart. In the in the <laughs>
3: last show, in the last show, we said that we drew the book. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Not. Yeah, actually, we yeah, took all credit. First Griffin uh, was the artist. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah,
3: that's one of my favorite things
2: about Griffin is is his drawing. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: I agree. I feel like I like people don't seem to know me for that, and I'm trying to figure out how I can shift the brand into people mm-hmm. knowing me for my art. Which well, I, I think
0: do. in comics They're you're good. way ahead because people will just only say your name when they do things. You know, people be like mm-hmm. oh, you know, kill your darlings by by Griffin. And Ethan yep. will be like, yeah, I, I mean, mean, there are even two writers here. And Bob will be like, I'm so far down the line of people yeah. that are talking about this. I can't
2: even well, be mad. It'd be Griffin first name only, as though he is a mythic beast. Yeah.
1: No, it's like uh, it's like the Prince Madonna. or Beyonce, yeah. Lord, you know? That yeah. You have him on the show I'm and he's just having.
2: shrieking. <laughs>
0: <laughs> just a large feathered beast behind the mic. Yeah. <laughs> I tune in.
2: Who knows what we're going to get?
0: So this is a show where we are going to start talking about the second arc of Kill Your Darlings. This is going to be a full spoiler chat about the first four issues of the series, diving into how that was made, uh, a lot of the storytelling decisions that were great. If you don't want the series spoiled, push pause on this, go read the four issues, come back, I promise it'll be worth it, and then we will move into teasing what is coming in the next few issues. I've had the chance to read issues five and six, and you are all in for a treat. So for the uninitiated, um, whoever wants to can take this. How would you pitch the first arc of Kill Your Darlings?
3: I, I could do the thing that we've been doing at all the conventions and everything. We've honed down the the perfect uh, the perfect description of this thing. This, uh, the Kill Your Darlings is a story about a little girl named Rose, uh, who Griffin lovingly likes to describe as the J.R.R. Tolkien of eight-year-olds. Uh, she's <laughs> the most imaginative child you could ever uh, hope to meet. She has a fantasy world that she's created in her imagination uh, that she likes to sort of escape to at the end of every school day. She goes to her room and draws maps and character designs and just disappears into this place as as a warrior princess protector. Uh, and one day she comes home from school, uh, closes herself in her room and finds that all of her lovely stuffed animal imaginary friends uh, have been slaughtered. Um, and so she quickly finds out that uh, her fantasy world might be more real. And particularly this monster that's at the center of it might be more real than she ever, uh, she ever thought possible. And so the, the first arc you know assuming that if people are sticking around and have have actually read it uh it takes you on a bit of a journey because in issue two we sort of jump forward into her life and her teenage years and mm-hmm. see all of those events uh, uh and all those repercussions coming back to haunt her um and see her going back to that that imaginary world that she created with her best friend Elliot um and sort of getting to the bottom of the death of her mother that happened in issue one and what exactly this monster is and why all of this has happened to her.
0: I, I think that segues pretty nicely into my first question for the group. When you have a premise that is going to be this character is going to end up in this fantasy world that is bleeding out into their real world. It seems like the instinct is to get us to that fantasy world at the end of issue one. But I think you all very wisely push that to issue three. I want to know a little bit how you came to the decision to pace out the story that way and why it was important to establish the stakes of the real world before we hopped right into the fantasy world.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, I think that was because so much of what we wanted people to walk away from issue one with is how much of it is real and how much of it is fantasy we definitely wanted to leave folks off on a very ambiguous note uh at the end of issue one and then spend issue two sort of setting up the characters all a little bit more especially because we pretty much then introduce new versions of the characters when we do the the time jump between issues one and two so getting you more acquainted with the versions of the characters that you're actually going to be spending time with and not the eight-year-old child versions uh, that everyone seemed, like, everyone, you know, rightfully so, thought that they were going to be the protagonists of the entire series, and everyone was like, this is really fucked up for, like, an eight-year-old protagonist. And it's like, (laughs) I agree. That's why (laughs) we didn't do that. (laughs) Um, So we bumped it up a little bit uh, and, and spent issue two introducing you to that and still wanted to like sort of leave you hanging a little bit by the end of issue two when wallace shows up in the real world and it's starting to become more clear or also more unclear as to what's real and what isn't and then finally we pull the curtain all the way back at the uh At the end of issue three i also think part of that is because like we left the world devastated and there is this reveal that the world has been devastated so there's not actually a lot to do in the fantasy world so we didn't want to get there too fast Uh, we just wanted to be there for all the story beats that we wanted to be there for uh and then and 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 that was it ethan
3: yeah, we've mm-hmm. talked so much about the, the the contrast between the fantasy stuff and the horror stuff, um, and you know, fantasy versus the real world and everything. And like, yeah, it, it was it was very in the DNA of the concept from the beginning that it's like no matter how crazy the stuff gets, our character characters from the real world, their dialogue, their reactions will be like as grounded as we can make them, uh, like because they have experiences that you can fully buy into um and so no matter like and and like we will go all the way silly we will do the silliest shit we will do looney tunes shit but we will have like people that you like you feel like you know going like jesus christ what is going on (laughs) um and uh and yeah that's that's such a big part of the appeal for me and it and that allows for when we do the really heavy emotional stuff to for it to really feel right despite the (laughs) the chaos yeah um
0: bob they talked really highly of you in the last interview and how much of the world of the fantasy world you created i want to know what your approach was like hopping around to the other time periods of the real world because this is a book that is not afraid to hop hundreds of years around and your artwork does the heavy lifting of that so what does your research process look like to draw 1692 versus 2003 versus creating a whole fantasy world I feel like you are given so many different creative palettes to have to come up with in this book
2: yeah um my yeah th- there's a, there's usually a, a fairly extensive research phase on uh nearly every issue of this because like you know like, like you said like we start out in like the 1600s in Salem so like I'm um, digging around because like they didn't have freaking google and you know camera phones so like i'm trying to i'm finding like these old like woodblock etchings of like what did judges wear in salem when they were at the witch (laughs) trials right Right? and like oh my god i think it looks like this This board yeah exactly ye old pinterest board and then you know it's like some of the some i think some of the original buildings from all that stuff are still standing right so like you know you can kind of I'm not entirely sure what they what color they were painted, but like you know, they put the windows kind of in weird spots because it seems like they didn't have building regulations back then, right? So it's like some <laughs> of the stuff is a little And then, um, so then like for the so so that's like the the old timey stuff, right? And then you know for fantasy world stuff, that's just you know uh, you know put yourself in the head of a kid and what what kind of place do you want to be farting around in after school when when the day sucked, right? Uh, and that's just like, you know, v- v- weird trees, bright colors, uh, you know, the stuff made out of bubblegum. I don't know. Like <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, kid shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> Um you know, and then uh but but yeah, and then you know, it it just kind of becomes my job to to keep it all distinct and as consistent as possible. Um and I just do that by being good at my job, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> true.
0: I think another job <laughs> you are. I think a huge part of making those so distinct has been the color palette. Is this? Hmm. I know you did the colors on this. Is this your first color work on your own work, or am I just not familiar with something else that you
2: did? Uh, no, I I, uh, I actually started uh, coloring my own work. Uh, I much prefer it actually because okay. it, in in my line work, I have a tendency to leave a lot of white space mm-hmm. and. Um, And the reason I do that is because usually when I am working on a page, I have a thought in my head of how I want it essentially lit, you know, if you're if we're Mm -hmm. cinematographers or whatever. Right. And um, generally in in that, I will make some pretty strong decisions about like what the like what light sources are there how they should be casting light and shadow and stuff like that. And unfortunately, you know, uh, it can be, it can be difficult when say you're working at like a more, I want to say like, um, what do you call it? It, Uh, not mass produced, but you know, but, but like when you're working at a, at a place like Marvel or DC, right. Where like Mm -hmm. there's a specific chain of people that works on a thing. Um, it's, it can be difficult to, hand a page off with all that white space to a colorist who you don't know or maybe haven't worked bef- with before. And then all of a sudden you get it back and you're like, okay, I mean, you, you definitely colored the page, but like, I thought it would be more dramatic if we did this. And it's like, how how do I communicate to them? You're doing a good job. I want you to feel creatively engaged in this, but also I I wish you would do it the way I want you to do it, right? And it, it, yeah. it, it, it's like that weird balancing act. So like the, the nice thing about this and, and uh, is that I don't have to compromise. Right. Like I can sit down and as I'm drawing it, I can think about, oh, he, oh, it would be cool if there was a you know, if there was a weird shadow here or if like we did this lighting and I like, oh, it would be cool. And I can just do it. And then I just do it. And then it, it is it is exactly as I want it to be. And if I don't like it, it's my own fault. If I, I should have done a better job, <laughs> dummy. And <laughs> yeah, You'd most of the time, it. if not. Yeah.
1: Most of the time, if not every time what Bob has in his head is, is what Ethan and I have in our heads too. And that's Mm -hmm. been the, one of the best, uh, like delightful happenstances, surprises of the whole thing has been like, Oh, we are on the same page. That is excellent. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: It's, it's, it's so nice to be so very in sync with the, the whole creative team. Like there's, there's just not like a lot of, you know, there's just not a lot of like, Oh yeah, that's not, no, no, we, we don't, you know the the conflict really isn't there. It's just kind of like, oh yeah, yeah, no, that's why. Yeah, oh, that's what you're thinking. Okay, great. We can just <laughs> right. go now. You know.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: I think one of my favorite moments of the entire series was when I realized that the Ella pig was Australian, and that <laughs> felt the most true to 2003 of anything in this book because at first i was like why is this book set in 2003 and then when the ella pig was australian i said i remember how important australia was for some reason <laughs> in 2003 i like things that were priorities for me in elementary school were like australia and then everything else
1: all right and
0: then school and it seemed like every other kid around me also was passionate about the crocodile hunter, I so I appreciated that you you did the research. You know, it really <laughs> of course showed the culture of, of two thousand three. That's um, why
1: we made him Australian. That is one hundred percent. It was to yeah. in that crocodile hunter culture. shorts. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you get some really great movement in those shorts. You could do a lot more action poses. Oh, yeah. those. yeah, of course. So He's was nice. there was there deep intent to setting this in the Y two K era, or is that just? something that happened
3: a little bit about it because people have remarked on the fact that it is uh that some of the book is set before we were born uh and that rose is older than us uh and uh but like not by a lot it's kind of like a weird amount where it's like we're not doing like a period piece like like a crazy period piece but we're but it's just like this slightly shifted back thing um and i it's possible that the more people read I, that they'll sort of like come to feel some of the intent of that. But we have talked about it, especially with issue one that um, it, it felt very right to set it in a uh, sort of like a, what we perceive as to some degree, at least in our minds, a bit of a simpler time where like, um, you know, obviously in many ways, like it's not, but, uh, kids are less, you know, technologically conscious at, at, at that period of time. And so when, when you have a character who is like incredibly imaginative, but also like in like the way that of, of like DIY where like they are in their room, mm-hmm. like, like creating their own toys and and it's all about crayon and paper and, and all of that, like having that, um feel sort of true and not having rose like whip out a flip phone or whatever but then also like having her grow up along a track that is familiar to us um it just made a lot of sense uh and so yeah there's there's kind of a myriad of reasons but that that is definitely kind of where that starts
1: yeah and 2003 just came out of 1995 plus eight uh yeah. where there wasn't really a thought of like, oh, we have to set this in the early two thousands. It was yeah. just like, well, she was eight and now she's sixteen, so I guess it's two thousand three. I'm gonna I expose only... my oldness now. Like, do do kids still
2: like play with action figures or do they just play with iPads and stuff now? Like is it or, or like do they all have to be app enabled action <laughs> figures?
0: Listen, I, I actually have some thoughts on this. So I there's a Ooh. big age gap between each of my siblings. So I have a sister who is mm-hmm. now thirteen years old. And juxtaposing our childhoods next to each other in like mm. pre and post iPad world mm-hmm. is astonishing. Cause like yeah. my creativity was built off of trying to recreate movies that I had seen yeah. with my action figures. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My sister is already a better artist than I will ever be in my entire <laughs> life because she's watched every <laughs> anime on Netflix and has just redrawn all of them. Wow. But like, I don't think I've ever seen her play with any toys because right. like yeah. whatever entertainment she wants is immediately right there, so I think she has mm-hmm. got way better references than I do for everything.
2: Right. Yeah, like, no, but like, the reason I asked is because I had a I had a friend in college who to this day still had his boxes of action figures, mm-hmm. and he could tell me with uh, with great clarity the entire story of like of this entire universe that he'd built. Of like you know that th- this one is technically Skeletor, but in my thing he does this stuff and his sword can <laughs> consume a universe and stuff yeah, like. No and right. I was all like, "Is that is that a, a sort of a an aspect of a bygone age? Because pe- like kids don't have that time to be bored and sit around mashing plastic
3: figures yeah. together and you they're know, just you know." There's so many people who like look at kids now and like what they have access to and like and like frame it in a really negative way, like, but, but uh, like, like with the whole iPad kid idea and whatever. But like, mm-hmm. I, I love what you're talking about, Dallas, about like, like the fact that like if they have access to everything, then like there's so much less limitation on what they're capable of doing. And mm-hmm. so it's like, it's clearly not only a negative thing, but that very nostalgic idea of like the boredom bred creativity, the thing of like, when you don't have a lot and you're in a room, what does a kid do? Uh, that's just something that we know very well. And so that was like the feeling, yeah, that we wanted to emulate with that.
0: I mean, at the end of the day, I think my sister has better storytelling chops because I was emulating the Star Wars
1: prequels, and she's uh-huh. emulating Avatar: The Last Airbender. <laughs> you're, you're trying to figure out a deep-seated political conflict that can under that can yeah. be underneath the fantasy
0: of it all. Exactly. So i I genuinely think my action figures had the wig reveal of General Grievous has four arms every single time. <laughs> like my characters yeah. consistently yeah. forgot because I had a two armed <laughs> and a four armed General Grievous he nice. busts up those forearms and melt Stone Cold Steve Austin's brain. How, ma- how, how many of your action figures and
2: stories ha- or had vaguely racist trade federation people in the... <laughs> <laughs> Not zero. <laughs>
0: oh my God. When Zorro and Stone Cold Steve Austin came to meet with the trade federation and the man in black <laughs> alien... I'm not saying that Sony Cinematic had gone <laughs> it had not gone through any PR. I very
3: particularly remember having an action figure of Christian Bale from Batman Begins, not Batman, like he's just <laughs> Christian Bale in plain clothes. And that and him playing so many different characters in my scenarios because he was generic. And so like he would be my own self-insert often. Uh and mm. so I just yeah, I have a lot of appreciation for. Uh, Christian Bale, because he's an incredible actor. He f- fueled so many of my childhood fantasies. <laughs> Someone should clip that. He's like, Christian <laughs> Bale <filled laughs> so many of my childhood <laughs> fantasies. Period.
1: Make that the whole point of this. <laughs> something something <laughs> that's been I, revealed on the
0: podcast. I really love the Just the DIY... Figures
2: going, you and I are done professionally! <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone likes to joke about how Like the girls, and this is very true of my sister, like girls are taking the Barbies to divorce court, but like, (laughs) I mean, the boys are also doing some nonsense. No one has ever played with toys, how toys are shown in movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always nonsense. And I think that's a lot of the charm of Kill Your Darlings, like Mm -hmm. in, in that first issue when Rose comes out to the mom, like, yeah, mom, I'm sorry. I'm going to really need your reinforcements here on what's going on. Like that felt so true to my experience coming into my parents, mm-hmm. like, listen, I've got some seven-year-old nonsense here and I'm going to need you because <laughs> these stakes are very real to me. And the, mm-hmm. the genius of the book is that those stakes do become real, right? right. Like mm-hmm. you get to see sort of the danger of childhood nonsense. <laughs> and I think yeah. so much of that danger is sold through your artwork, Bob, I think (laughs) what this reread for me really hit on is that a lot of the horror and darkness is in the art and a lot of the humor is in the dialogue. Like I I was consistently laughing at just these little quippy exchanges between (laughs) characters. And then I would turn the page and there'd be someone being torn in half by a tree. (laughs) And... (laughs) Like I'm used to juxtaposition in comics but I don't know that I'd ever seen it that starkly where I'm like (laughs) the images are going to haunt me but I am going to laugh at what's going on here
3: totally and I mean, in those in those moments, like shit. it's like, what do you say? You're not that nobody needs to say that guy's getting torn in half. We just need Bob to to just, just, just show the folks, just just give it to him. <laughs> That's one like of yeah. my favorite mm-hmm. things
2: about the book, though. Is it is like the amount ripping of ripping people in half. Yeah, it's it's, it's the just disgusting. <laughs> no, it's the it's the it's the fact that it that you can have that it that it runs such a gamut of like from horror to hilarity to childlike fantasy like it 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 collects so many fun elements and puts it into this story that it that like that is like this crazy mystery that we are now starting to on the back half uh reveal all the bits and pieces oh. to you but uh yeah I don't know it's great we did a great book you guys you, guys, you should. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It's awesome. I, I agree. <laughs> I like
3: the whole, you know, the idea of there being something for everybody in in a piece of media is very off putting a lot of the time because that tends to mean that it's like incredibly broad and unappealing or whatever. Like Kill Your Darlings, like if you can get somebody to stomach the horror of it. Uh, I I do like to think there's kind of something for everybody just because we're just doing so much like we're trying to honestly put everything that we love in there. And that's also like tempting fate. Like we are like we are very much like uh, uh, it's very fueled by hubris. I feel like to just be like, okay, let's do it all. Uh, but I, I, I think I think we're doing it with enough passion that it's turning out okay. Uh, but but like I really do like to think that it's like yeah you kind of you like get a lot of different itches scratched like like throughout each page. Um, so I'm, I'm glad do to too
0: that much, that but do it with conviction, and it'll
2: be yeah fine. exactly.
3: <laughs>
0: I actually really like one of my favorite off, fantasy authors is Brandon Sanderson, and yeah. he it took him ten novels that got rejected. Before, on his 11th novel, he was like, you know, I am just going to not follow any of the advice, and I'm just going to write the most Brandon Sanderson novel I can write. He's like, I'm going to crank every knob to 12. And Mm -hmm. that was the book, Elantris, that's the one that got published. Like, people saw that personality, and it's the one that hit. And ultimately, I think we have all seen enough greige art pieces like be they movies Mm -hmm. novels television shows where it's like this is so clearly its main purpose is to be inoffensive and i don't mean in like some culture war way in a like you're trying to make something that will not evoke a big emotion positive or negative Mm -hmm. from me so it can just be on and i think ultimately the passion in a project like kill your darling's where I can tell you're having a blast mm-hmm. comes through on the page. Like it's impossible no, to not have a blast with that book if you're on that brainwave. And at the end of the day, I think it's better to have people who are as excited about your work as you are than to yeah. just have a larger audience that is very middling on what totally.
3: Do. Yeah. I, I like, I like Absolutely. really, the more that I make stuff, the more that I feel like, um, because like you know like like i was like if you're an artist like you're constantly worrying about like trying to make something right like you like like it, like because you like you hear so much constantly about structure and things people fuck up and, th- and and whatever and so you're always like worrying about threading the needle and like trying to like hit the target in the correct way at each possible step but like the more that i make stuff the more that i'm like i'm really just like man that is like doing anything right is like so much less important than doing the thing that excites you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Like we just did a thing on one of the last pages that looking at it literally last night, I was like, that's so fucking weird. And I feel like a lot of people would be like, "Why, why? I don't know about this. This might hit weird and whatever, but it was like, we, we all three, when we like talked about doing it, we were like, laughing and like very joyful about it. And because of that, it was just like, oh, no, no, you got to do it. Uh, I wasn't sure what we were talking about. And then, yeah, okay, yeah. 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 (laughs) And it's it's like it's like, dude, if it brought us that much joy, maybe there will be somebody that's like, that's weird. Why'd they do that? But but I but you have to think that more people (laughs) and the people that you would really hope would, would would feel that same kind of joy that you did.
0: Yeah. And I I also think, like, if you start at middle excitement, you will edit down to zero excitement. You know what I mean? Like, every (laughs) draft I have, I like the thing 10% less. Like, I'm on the seventh draft of a novel right now. I never want to read it again in my life.
1: I just uh, send it into
0: the world and forget that it exists. And I just have to be like, I loved you at one point, and I know you're better now, but I just, I don't know. But, But there's history, you know? Yeah, it's, a lo-
3: like, it's a loveless marriage. Yeah. It, it, yeah. it is. Like I said, yeah. all
0: your flaws. Even the things you <laughs> fixed. I remember what they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> so shifting into the second arc of Kill Your Darlings. Yeah. Issue five. I don't want to spoil anything too too crazy. I'm We're going to drop this the Monday after it comes out. Okay. So people will have a chance to read it. Pretty Ooh. major tonal shift in <laughs> issue five. Uh-huh. I... Uh-huh. Loved it. I hope that the listeners <laughs> of this loved it. Mm-hmm. Talk me through the the hard shift that you do to start off this second arc.
1: Oof. Yeah. Um, the, the, uh, okay. How to, how to toe the line on <laughs> talking about this. Um, I think it's clear to from, say,
3: the co- uh, it's, from the cover and everything that has come out. It's clearly like quite a the, different the,
1: one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, even the choice that like, all the other colors have had like our co- covers have had like some sort of vibrant color on them in some way. And this one is just fucking black and white and, and gray mm-hmm. and everything. And the, the events that unfold in issue five are some of the earliest ideas um, yep. uh, uh, that have been in the book. Uh, it, we, it's been a pivotal moment that we've known is coming literally since before it was all even formulated as one thing. Because this idea was actually just like a separate idea that got smashed into a couple of other ideas to sort of like be the atoms that collide to create Kill Your Darlings. Mm -hmm. So this idea, this moment has been there pretty much the entire time and has been in the underbelly of everything that we had written up to this point, knowing that this is
3: completely different iterations of the story. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And the way that it did. this it's is a, uh, real, this a, is a real. Crime, crime, it, like Griffin okay, behavior. that's it's why I had to be in here. Yeah, it's not. Do you want to make that clear? <laughs> I nor nobody I know has done this. But but I will say <laughs> I have had on this. a dark night. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, had a reoccurring nightmare where it does it, it does happen and and that is like and I but like before the book. Uh, and so yeah. when the idea came, I was just like, "Yeah, that's one of the most horrifying things I can I can yeah. like think of. I know that haunts me." Um. So just there's like your, the there's, there's that dude. You like waking up like, ah! uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> um, Oh fuck? my! Hyper specific terror visited <laughs> me again. Yeah. 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 Um. But, uh, and and then where it ended up sort of in the, uh, because it kind of bounced around as to where this this issue's worth of story was playing out. Really, it wasn't an entire issue's worth of story for the longest time. And then the last and most recent sort of restructure of Act 2, the second half, uh, just put it right up front and we decided like, okay, no, we're going to take a hard left turn out of issue four. Do this, this beat that we know is huge. Uh, and it's going to be emotionally devastating. And yet somehow also one of the most fast paced issues in the series. Um, That's a breeze. And, yeah. it's, and it's a really
3: devastating breeze.
1: Yeah. It's, it's like, it, it is weird. Um, that it ended up like that, but it feels, it feels right because the other versions, we were cramming this entire issue sort of in with issue four uh, for the longest mm-hmm. time. Everything happening in this issue was sort of being unraveled in the fourth issue as well. Right. Um, and then it just s- stopped feeling right at a certain point, And it it became clear that we can do something more interesting structurally if we just and, put and it like, right at the start of the second act.
3: I'm I'm still really excited about the change, like because like you know like that that last kind of big shift of our structure was like about kind of examining the priorities of the book it's like where what which characters need you know the most reflection which characters like where where is the meat of this at and uh it turned out so much of it was in this thing that had kind of diminished and grown and diminished throughout different restructurings and yeah these events events in five like um while you know really really upsetting like holds a lot of like kind of meaning to us and like are very uh, and like even though like they were just they for a long time were just visuals that we would talk about they became like really important events and they define so much about the story and so like even now like i like i have the issue i have the physical copy of it and i still look at it and i'm like holy shit we did that like we pulled the trigger on that and that is its own thing and and i think it is like yeah i i
1: I, yeah it's still a really exciting move to me definitely one of the biggest calls yeah. Uh, like the one of the biggest audibles that we called yeah relatively late in the game. Um yeah, I'm I'm glad we did but it does feel like being at the no, top of the roller coaster hill where it's like totally. it's it's exciting and scary at the same totally. time. Yeah.
2: Now, I remember getting the script for it because I think it was while I was on vacation and <laughs> you guys like sent it to me and, and I read it and I was like this is not what I was expecting this should be. This is really cool. <laughs> And uh, I think you guys were kind of nervous about how I was going to react I was like, this, <laughs> yeah. this is great. We, this is the this this issue sweet. We got to do this. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. We're like
1: in when you look at when we were talking about act 1 and act 2, this is like this weird way that we've been talking about uh the book which I know might be weird for some readers because it's not typically referred to as acts. It's, it's always arcs, but like, and when we say acts, we're not talking about a three act thing. It's more of like a, a play thing. There's act one right. and there's act two. We're going into act two, um, just for clarity's sake. Uh, 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 yep. Totally lost my train of thought in that clarification. So, uh, <laughs> I,
2: like,
1: I like that the curtain call of this is just terrifying. You know, if we're, if we're doing
0: acts yeah. here and this is a play, then you guys drop the curtain, do a crime and then come back to, the story yeah but i i love you talked about this issue being breezy and my initial reaction when i was reading this was a first out of the gate i thought wow bob quinn has leveled up again like the art on this issue (laughs) is stunning and i want to i want to come back to that but then b i was like this is already over and i'm like that still hurts like i didn't get down off of it hurting like this book felt like a punch in the arm that i was left with the sting with, yeah. after I was done reading the book. And so I think, well, it might seem counterintuitive to move a, out of those feelings quickly. It's not mm. that we moved on to something better feeling. We just were all mm. done. Like I couldn't rely on the book anymore to make me not feel shocked and hurt by what happened. Mm. And it was perfect. Mm. Like I I love that. And I think I, so much of that kinetic feel comes from Bob and Bob's work. Mm. And I, I would love to know... You get that. You get that script on vacation. You go. Mm-hmm. These guys are crazy. How does this <laughs> issue roll out from there? Like, how do you capture this kinetic feeling we're talking about? I. So I think it's a quieter issue, right? Like, but like you said, it's still
2: it's still a punch in the in the gut, in the in the face, in the ass, or whatever. Like it's it's. <laughs> I, I don't know, like it, you heard of her? Yeah. You're it, yeah it's, fuck you! No. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> um But um. I like a quieter issue that relies on the acting. Um, that is like the 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 character work and moodiness is probably my favorite part of of what I do. And this this issue relied so heavily on capturing the right. Moment, the right pose, the right expressions—that um, it was—it was really a joy to work on, even though it wouldn't seem like it because it it is so, you know, devastating, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It 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 just ticked all the boxes of, of like while while you know you'd think oh, a comic book it's supposed to be faces punching and flying through the cities and Spider Man and all that stuff it's like no th- but that's not this is the interesting part right it's like mm-hmm. the it's like getting inside someone's head. It's understanding where they're at and trying to communicate all of that to you as effectively as possible. Because like ultimately, what are you trying to do? I'm trying we're trying to tell you a story, express ourselves, share things about ourselves, maybe help you understand yourself better, get those emotional beats and get you feeling something. Mm-hmm. And like that's that's why I like doing this. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. was such a great exercise in doing that exact thing that mm-hmm. again, while it is devastating, it was an absolute joy to work
1: on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, every issue we like giving Bob something different to some th- some little different something to do uh than any of the previous issues have. Um and I mean it, Bob your acting's incredible across the entire series but this was the one where we are like all right and now Bob's going to have to act his ass off in this one yeah. where <laughs> yeah. like there's maybe there's maybe less fantasy visuals and everything going on uh where issue 4 is this really dark thing but it's still got the fantasy of it all and five is just the darkest that the book gets it's like the deepest depths of Mm. that low in the story um and there's yeah there's no fun to be had unfortunately (laughs) but but uh through all that um you know it's still so compelling to read because of what it kind of
3: it kind of makes the whole thing for me a little bit you know how like when you're a kid and you like can't can't watch a movie of just people talking. you need like a spider man or like or like a monster in there or something to make <laughs> to make people talking interesting and it's like mm-hmm. we're talking about capturing like feelings of like of childhood and everything, and it's like uh this issue being like you know again without spoiling it being an acting issue being a quite serious and upsetting issue, and everything um uh, the fact that that is sitting right in the you know like if you're looking at it in the trade like right in the middle of this book uh and it is it is you know flanked by issues where there is colorful insane shit happening is like that's just like it's like it's it's such a brilliant like peanut butter and jelly like flavor where where it like you that you're like devastated and you might be feeling something from your own life, but you also know that you got here following a, a trail of breadcrumbs that was exciting and and like scary and intense, and then you know that there is so much more of a roller coaster to come. Uh, but you just have to sit here and you have to like watch somebody's story for a second, uh, and uh, that's a, a,
2: a delicious rug pull. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> what did you think going uh, yeah. <laughs> to we, we love we love playing keep away a little bit. Like we love leading up to that that arc break and and going like here's what we have been building to and then going but hold on a second because here's something Mm -hmm. that you didn't know you needed and uh and for me like it's stuff like that that has kept me like motivated for this thing because it's just very creatively exciting
0: well I think the Stephen King when he talks about writing he says writing is special because it allows the reader to do half of the work like all of your most engaging exciting books you've ever read have left more to you than you would expect So you have special versions of these characters. And my favorite Mm -hmm. version of that is Cormac McCarthy's The Road, Mm -hmm. where like halfway through that book, you realize... I mean, pretty early, you realize no one has any names. But halfway through the book, you don't realize you have no idea where you are. You have no idea where you're going other than south and to the sea. And yet you've built this whole world in your head. And I think Mm -hmm. you did the comic book equivalent of this, Bob, where we had to watch the mother decide what she was going to do in silence like mm-hmm. there was there's no caption box and then i decided da, 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 da. like <laughs> i had to read on the like, last second <laughs> 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 you said there was a big stanley caption box yeah that said and with editors, she called no. read and read told weird. her she was no editor
1: yeah. And exactly thirty seconds later.
2: <laughs>
1: and she that's when I came up that. with the Fantastic Four.
0: <laughs> Reference soapbox. You see, this is a nightmare I've had, and in that nightmare, this is when I decided to just keep going. But it, it made it more human. Juice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> We
2: were, just, know, we were just we were just talking about book.
3: this last night uh, in compliment to Bob. Yeah, it was that, like, we, we have him show these different things without a lot of words. Like, we have him show different time periods and, like, just drop you in a scenario or with a character. And through his visuals, he he implies so much and allows you to sort of fill out details with your own mind. And, yeah, it's, like, it's such a skill. You're real good, Bob. You mm-hmm.
0: guys. I mean, they're... And to not get super ahead of ourselves, but like even in issue six, there are visual cues to who this main character is that mm-hmm. like with a weaker artist, there would have to be more explanation, right? Mm-hmm. There, you would have to get into like, this is this person from earlier on in the series. But like that wasn't <laughs> necessary. I just understood it reading it because you're good at drawing people's faces. They don't all have John mm-hmm. Byrne face. So this <laughs> is a person. Oh, I
2: appreciate person. that. No, I, yeah, the, the, my my uh, my computer and phone are just full of me making faces into it and stuff. <laughs> do you do that a lot? You do oh, yeah, 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 oh yeah, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I should, I, I would, I should show you using my uh, my camera roll at some
3: point. Of if reason. you could like identify yeah. any of the important ones from the book, the, I would love that so much. Issue five, that would be five incredible. Faces. Yeah, we should I, put I them. In the, we should put them in the back of the trade. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm. Okay,
0: settle down now. <laughs> <laughs> We can make that your author photo, just a series of your Yeah, photo yeah photo. just a series. And <laughs> under each one, you could have a different name for yourself. So again, you remain very searchable. Mm. I love <laughs> that. Perfect. <laughs> so as we wrap up here, I want to talk a little bit about the balance. Everyone wants to talk with you about the balance of real life and fantasy <laughs> in this, right? But I think ultimately... As far as I can tell, the act breaks here allow you to explore first, the regular world goes into fantasy, and then so far with what I've read, the second arc is when fantasy comes out into the real world. Mm -hmm. How are each of those creatively interesting in different ways for you?
1: Hmm. How to put this without spoiling (laughs) our book? (laughs) Well, I think they they have different implications, but I like the way that there is this, you know, one way or another. Where the, whether it's your fantasies leaking into reality is like kind of poisonous to the purpose of being in reality, uh, and it's the sort of the same thing of like if too much reality is seeping into your fantasy, then what the fuck is the point of the fantasy world? Uh, if it's if it's just a mirror of the real world, so. Um, I think that's the most exciting thing to explore with uh, you're right. This thing that, that people have really latched onto, I think in terms of the various things that the book has to offer. Um, And so it's a slight difference. And maybe that's like, I'm I'm saying that there's like similarities to it, but I think the stakes of those things are, um, I think are, they read a a little bit different. Uh, Whereas like if fantasy is coming into the real world you know i think we we know those sorts of stakes but then real world going into fantasy world is is more personal uh because it's you know we're talking about a specific person's fantasy world and what does that mean to them and uh how is this sort of specific evil uh affecting what was once uh just a pure like eight-year-old's you know dreamland uh so yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff to explore there. There's a lot of cool shit you could show doing that. Probably <laughs> uh... that's, 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 that's
3: very well said, and that's a great fucking question as well because you're really yeah. like tap tapping on something there. That like the yeah, there people talk about the balance of fantasy and reality. The book is like very much about the the struggle of the line between the two, getting pushed one way or the other, and what that sort of means and is there a and, healthy medium right can they co kind of coexist what is you know what 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 would that mean like what would it mean if they didn't um and like yeah it ha- like we 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 just we just got to the end of the book bob turned in the last page of of the final issue and like where we end up with that is uh really deeply meaningful to me it's been, i've been thinking about it constantly and, and like it's really a statement of, of the series that i'm very proud to have out there um and uh i i think i'm really glad people are picking up on that as as a big theme uh, because yeah while it is a big part of that first arc the second arc is all about it and and you you will end somewhere with it that hopefully will will say something to you and maybe you'll feel the same way we do
0: and Bob, do you like drawing little purple elephant people in the real world better or jeans in a fantasy world better? <laughs> oh, man.
1: That's a good fantasy question.
2: Fa- uh, yeah, if I can get me some fantasy jeans, in they a, fit in perfectly all the
1: time, no matter what. Exactly. In a, in a, in a uh-huh. cosmopolitan uh-huh. New York. Uh, no, I'm.
2: <laughs> I don't know, but it's just all this stuff is fun. You guys like if it if it's a regular person trouncing around in fantasy land or fantasy Ella Pig wearing Australian, you know, Steve Irwin outfits in in the real world. Either way, I'm having a good day. You know what I mean? Either way, I'm getting either way. I'm getting to have a good time. So, you know, doesn't matter to me. I draw it all. I love it. (laughs) I prefer Ella Pig in the real world. Uh. I respect it. I respect it. It's, it's such a. It's it, I mean, if we we're to talk about back in like what is it, issue two? It's such. It's such an incredible moment of wait, 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 wait. Yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Is this is is is, is she nuts, mm-hmm. or did that happen? Right? Or 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 has the reader gone insane? Like we don't know. Oh. Right? So, uh, but uh, I, you know, I I would say that that is a that is a tick in the Ethan might be right column.
3: So, you know, we we actually, we talk, I, We might have even brought this up in the last recording, but like, I one of the things Bob nailed the absolute hardest out of the book, and I think it was one of the major highlights. And it is so epitomal of what the book is: is that page in issue three where Rose and Elliot are having a really emotional conversation in the foreground, and, and in the background, Wallace is doing some Looney Tunes like traipsing out of panel and then back into panel with a brick and smashes it through a window. <laughs> <laughs> it is so fucking. It's so. Fun. Fucking genius the way that That's Bob so approached it. Uh, and it. And it like, it's just like that is that is the book. The, uh, and that is uh what I want to make
1: forever. <laughs> I don't want to
3: diminish anything else. That's absolutely the
0: best part of this book so far. Like, <laughs> I, I put that page on Twitter today as the set, like, please go and read oh, this book. Yeah. Just look at that little Ella Pig in
1: the background. <laughs> just doing his thing. That bit was so like writing it, I was like, this is a pretty good bit. And it like <laughs> for a minute, <laughs> for a minute, it was like the the two beats were separate. Uh, mm-hmm. And then we had to condense the issue in a rewrite. And I was like, I will not kill this fucking bit. There's no way I'm <laughs> losing the Wallace bit. How can I get it in there still? And so it, it, was, it was born into this bit where, yeah, Elliot and Rose get to have that conversation. And then also doing the the walls bit literally just in the background. uh, So it can still be there. Um, So yeah, I'm glad it made it in. One of my favorites. Listen, you created your own goose
0: from Saga. It's a special little guy doing special little things. Every book needs a little guy. And we have ours. You have to ask yourself, who is the little guy? And (laughs) how often are they on the page? And that's how you
1: create (laughs) things objectively. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the fucking line graph of quality to little guy appearances. <laughs> How important is your little guy? Mm-hmm. You can't be a throwaway mm-hmm. little guy. No, our 100- little guy Dalmatians. is not at
0: all. Uh, you very might important. think that 101 Dalmatians has a lot of little guys, but it's actually just <laughs> Roly, the little round Dalmatian. That's the, uh, the best one. That's yes. true. Number one guy right there. I don't know why that's <laughs> what I pulled from. I think I haven't watched that since
1: 2003. <laughs> so like, that like, that well, example. clearly, it, it, you know, he was the little guy because he made an impact on you that you were able to pull it out of the ether real quick. <laughs> yeah. It's him and Stone Cold Steve Austin on this episode. But- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Thank you all so much for your time and thank you so much for this comic book. Do you have any last words for our listeners? Anything you want to make sure to plug before we
3: get out of here? Uh, issue 5 is already out. Please pick up. Issue 5 uh, must be out it. Already, yeah. Please, it. It. Please it. Get, issue uh, uh,
1: issue get issue 6. Pre-order
2: issue 6 then 7 and then 8 and then just keep pre-ordering. Tell all your friends. Add it to your pull list. Add it Add to yeah. your pull yeah. list. It
1: would, mean, it would mean the world uh, to us if you did that. There's yeah. still time. You can still hop on the, the roller coaster. Uh, we're trying to have as many folks with us as possible as we sort of rocket towards the, the finale of mm-hmm. the series. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, it's, it's going to be a blast. Um, dis- <laughs> despite how upsetting issue five is, I promise <laughs> you it, it gets fun again. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, we're taking you on a journey uh, and we'd love if you joined us.
3: There's been plenty of indie folks on this show. I'm sure they've said it a lot, but for some reason, the comics industry industry is still propped up on telling your shop that you want something in advance. So please,
1: mm-hmm.
3: pull it, put it on your pull list. We, it, it would mean the world. Uh, mm-hmm. And give it a read. We hope, we hope you like it. I
0: would also mm-hmm. say just, if you were excited about this book when issue one came out and you were really pushing everybody to read this book when issue one came out, thank you so much. Please be there in the same way for issue five. I think the... Mm-hmm. Indie comics, the hardest thing about them is keeping people talking about them and excited halfway through oh, a yeah. series. Because on a series like this, with continued excellence, there comes mm. this plateau where, like, what new is there to say right. for you? Yeah. But you have to remember that new people will come across the same kind of things that you have to say. And I think true. issue five is enough of a switch up that you will have things to say. And mm. you will want to be caught up to read this issue as it's coming out because it is oh, thanks. truly thanks, one man. of one of the big exciting comic book releases of 2024 so far having read the issue oh, appreciate it thank yeah. you Dallas thank you for having us on we really yeah. appreciate it very yeah, much absolutely. appreciate it all right everybody thank you so much and we'll see you next week bye bye